Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 121 of a play on nerds. Uh, we are nearing the end of an era here. We are continuing our, oh, I forgot to introduce us. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman. And we're here to co-host the living hell out of this thing. That's right. So as I said, we're coming to the end of an era. This week, we finished the last Muppet movie review and our longstanding review of all the Muppet movies to appease me and all the Star Trek movies to appease Jarman. The last Muppet movie this is possibly the ever. last one. <laughs> Hopefully not ever. I hope, I hope not, but I hope the next one's good. Yes. <laughs> Whatever they make next, I hope it's okay. Because Disney owns it now, so they shouldn't give up on the property. Yeah, man. They, yeah, they, I hope they're going to do something with it. But every time I go to Disney, they have nothing out. Yeah, nothing yet. I don't know. Muppet Babies is doing well, though, so that's good. The Muppet Show did not do very well. No, it did not. The Muppet's office take. Uh, So, but this week we're going to talk about Muppet's Most Wanted, which is a pretty good movie. Yeah. In terms of Muppet films. But before that, German, what have you been up to since last we spoke? So quite a bit. Uh, I went out to Denver to visit my sister. My sister is getting married and uh, out in Denver. So my mother and I went out to visit her and uh, explore wedding venues and that kind of thing. Uh, Very cool. And a lot of beautiful places out in Denver. So it was a nice trip and uh, she's very excited. And so is her fiance. And I like this guy, which is great. It's, it's always bad if you don't like who your, your sibling is marrying, but I like this guy. He sounds, he's awesome. Uh, Oh, good. Yeah. A couple they're, they're kind of hippie ish people. They like going to like the music festivals. They love living out in Denver in the the wilderness. So it's, it's good times. Uh, what you don't expect going to Denver if you live in Florida all your life is that you go from a humid place to a dry place and within two days, your nose is just dried out and bleeding (laughs) because your, your body is not used to the dryness. Well, that, Um, and you got to stop putting crayons up there. Well, that's always unhelpful. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So uh, a lot of that, a lot of bleeding from the nose, but otherwise (laughs) Denver is a beautiful place. Uh, Also my back went out. Uh, yeah, which is great. German sent me some fun hospital pictures. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, my, if my mom's listening to this, don't worry. I'm fine now. I'm sorry. I didn't tell you, but, uh, it happened. Sorry, Karen. I, <laughs> I helped him cover it up. I didn't want to freak you out, but it just, it, it went out and I couldn't, uh, I didn't want to trouble you because you have a lot of work. And I had my friend Thomas, big dude, my personal trainer in the past, uh, he came out and helped pick me up off the floor and take me to the hospital. And I had, uh, some drugs put into me. And I got a lot better, uh, but my lower back has a lot of problems and now I'm feeling so much better. I have anti-inflammatories. I've got anti like, painkillers and it's, it's going well. Uh, well, good. Because, yeah. Sorry, Karen. Yeah. But, but soon I'm going out to, uh, the West coast to visit Steve in person. This is going to happen. That's right. Mind you, you're also visiting some other stuff. Like, like you're, you're, you're doing like a whole tour. Yeah. The girlfriend and I are starting off in coast. Vancouver 
And then we're going. So sorry, uh, uh, Sean Vanderloo, we're not going over to your side of Timmins in, in Canada, but we're going over to uh, Vancouver in Canada and then driving down to uh, Portland, then to Seattle, then to Eureka, California with the Redwood Forest. And then we're going down to Sonoma and then down to San Francisco, where Steve and his lovely wife are going to join us. And then we're going to San Jose where they live and visit the kid and see their place. And it's going to be a a great trip and go to the Winchester mystery house. That's right. And have a live recorded episode of a play on nerds yet again. The second one ever. A very special episode. I lied to you about all the others. (laughs) They've all been, this one will actually be a very special episode. Yes. It'll be fantastic. And to celebrate uh, this uh, Eve before we go on the trip, I have, been out uh, drinking with friends. So this episode is a little bit of a drunken episode for Jarman. It's brought to you by alcohol. Yes, because I don't drink much these days anymore. I've actually stopped drinking a lot at all. Uh, but tonight we've been celebrating. I haven't been driving. I've just been having a good time. Went to a karaoke bar. Uh, right, he rolled home. <laughs> I sang uh, Moon Dance by Van Morrison out in the karaoke bar. Nice. It was fantastic. Uh, so, and I also watched Muppets, <laughs> Muppets Most Wanted earlier today. So I've had a good that's day. Right. It's been a good day. And he just partied all day. <laughs> yeah. So that's been my, my couple of weeks. What have you been up to Steve? Uh, oh man. So we holiday weekend just happened and I had Monday off and man, I had a holiday weekend adventure. Oh, cause Memorial day. Yeah. Yeah. Memorial day. So Saturday we get up bright and early and we get the kid out of bed and we go to the, Uvas Canyon County Park. Oh, how far away is, is that? 45 minutes away. Okay, gotcha. And uh and it's a big canyon with beautiful creek running through the middle and all these different tributaries and there nine scenic waterfalls. Mm. It's just a small creek. Like when I say waterfalls, I think you're imagining too much already. <laughs> but uh and we took the kid and did some hiking and it was beautifully cool down by the water and the kid got splashed around. It was great. Nice. Then, so I get a text from my buddy, Sean, and he says, hey, work is having this short film competition, and we need a, we've got to roll a guy with a wife and kid. Would you guys be interested in, in doing some quick filming for it? Oh. And I say, sure. Why not? I look at the competition. It's a two-minute film competition. I figure, how long could that take? So he sends the script, and the script has all these crazy locations in it. For a two minute movie. Right. So, <laughs> so then he's like, great. We'll be there at like two or three to pick you up. Uh, and we're going to go out to the seaside cliff. And I said, where is that? He goes like, well, the place I want to go is an hour and 40 minutes away. Ooh. So I get in a Jeep and drive an hour and 40 minutes out to a beach. As we are pulling in, he looks over to me and goes, so Steve, how do you feel about climbing? <laughs> okay. I said, Sean, what kind of climbing? He's like, well, the place I want to get the shot from is kind of off the path. And then he kind of went, you'll see. Don't worry about it. (sighs) So we're at like a public county beach. We walked on this path. There's a a path off the side, followed around. And I get up to this really nice kind of like raised sand area with a really good view behind it. And I was like, oh, that's what he's talking about. Oh, yeah, that's fine. I'm fine with this. And he goes, well, actually, I want to go up there. And he points to like a 50 foot like rock and sand dune that he wants me to now climb up to get this shot that he has in his mind. <laughs> right. So I climb up. I hate heights. I hate heights. I didn't know this. 
Or here's a friendship. Uh, yeah. I did not know you hate Holy heights. We it live in Florida. How would I know? It yeah. doesn't come up often. Yeah. Um, I hate heights. I get panicky and woozy and dizzy. Oh, no. I didn't know. Uh, so I'm like now like 50 feet up. <laughs> I just feel it <laughs> awful. Uh, and he finally realizes that he's not going to get what he needs out of me if I feel this way. So he lets me go back down. We go down to the nicer, <laughs> the nice spot I saw earlier. <laughs> we fill the thing. And then we drive an hour and a half in to this lake and he tells us we're going to this park. Okay. And then as we're going there, he reveals, well, it's not actually a park. It's a place that when I do my motorcycle rides, I uh, like sneak off the road to smoke cigars. Okay. So now we're just pulling over on the side of this, this like public road next to a reservoir. He's just parking and we're just wandering out into the brush. Okay. To to get this other shot by the way. Oh my God. And then what are you doing uh, in these shots? Like, are you acting or saying so in, in, in the beach one, I'm like meditating. Okay. In the waterside one, I'm also meditating. <laughs> um, and so, th- so those are the two we do. So we do those. They screw around with a drone that they're convinced they're going to use for like like high shots and that for kind of a while. Thing. And then they realize they don't have the expertise. But it took it took forty five minutes to get to the point where they would admit that it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> Uh, so I'm just standing around for all this shit, missing out on my weekend with my family. <laughs> um, Hoping for so then, fun. <laughs> so then I say, well, there's a scene where you need me to dive onto my knees and like scream. And then there's a scene where they wanted me to break watermelons with my feet. Okay. So I say, we're going to do that here. And he goes, oh, actually, I decided we need different locations for that. So then we have to go just drive out into this wooded area to find a clearing that has suitable light for him. I do another shot and then we drive up to the top of a mountain. What? The top of a mountain. There was like a state park up there. That's the only reason I knew for a fact that we were on top of a mountain. Um, looking for another place to do this watermelon smash. So we're up in the middle of friggin' nowhere. We pull over on the side of the road. We get out to do this watermelon smash. We haven't seen anyone in 20 minutes. First person that pulls up is a ranger. Oh, okay. <sighs> so now we're in trouble. We can't we're film, told we got to get the hell out, out there. there. Not, be, not because we're in like restricted area. His concern is that we are parked on the side of the road. Okay. Um, so we say, absolutely. They hurry up, film it. I crush two watermelons. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get in the, the Jeep and then we drive like 40 minutes off. All of a sudden, like seven hours of my day is just gone. Wow. For a two minute film. Yeah. And then the next day I went back and did five and a half more hours. <laughs> oh, God. So because I had to spend all that time now, mind you, Joyce got to be in the movie and that was fun. All right. Your daughter uh, got to be in the film, but because I felt bad about missing out on so much time because of this stupid thing, uh, Monday I said, you know what? Let's do something special. Let's get up early. And we went to the Oakland zoo. That's the pictures I saw. That was great. Yeah. Um, so we headed up to the Oakland zoo, saw some animals, which Joyce still does not give a shit about animals. Oh, damn. She just does not care. She's talking now to say you're wrong. Yes. Oh my God. She is. Um, <laughs> she's saying that she's a butterfly. Um, but there was lots of playgrounds and she literally just ran the entire time. It was amazing. <laughs> Tire herself out. Did the carousel at the end. And then we went home. That is a crazy weekend. I saw so much of Northern California. It hurts me. Nice. Yeah. Cause you drove so far out. Oh my gosh. We drove everywhere. And I need to mention that. The weekend we're going to see these folks, it's going to be their first night ever without your child since That's your right. kid's been born. 
first night away in two and a half, almost three years. Coming up wow. in three years. So audience, I'm giving him the opportunity to be away from his child for one night. That's right. One night only. <laughs> and we'll be recording that night. It's like an exclusive event in Vegas. <laughs> and I'm going out to the store and buying two microphones tomorrow to bring with Ooh. me on the trip because I don't have any like cheap travel microphones anymore. I had one that had a play on nerds uh, thing on it. I took to Dragon oh, I remember Con that. and it, it broke. I dropped that microphone and it broke. It was $30. It was cheap. Uh, so I'm just going to get two more cheap like travel microphones to bring with me to the trip and, and we'll be on the personal recorder. We'll be doing that. So it'll be fun. Well, good. Because we'll also have our ladies on that podcast. So Steve's wife and my girlfriend will both be on this podcast. They put up with us for these many years doing this podcast. So yeah, Anna for a real long time, like five, four or five years now. Has been putting (laughs) up with this crap. Exactly. Because we came up with this idea at your brother's wedding to do this podcast. German and I were real drunk (laughs) and under the influence of some other things. And started to come up with just really crazy ideas and we sat and riffed for like an hour and a half while like conversations happened around us. And I think we would have done it though, but I think Anna and uh, some other folks said, this is worth putting on a podcast. Otherwise we, we wouldn't That's have thought right. of this. They told us we and were, we funny. were dumb enough to believe them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it'll be an interesting episode coming up soon. <laughs> but now onto the rest of our episode. Yes. Here's some nerd news. Nerdy news. It's time for Nerdy News. I always say nerdy news. All right. So I know last episode, if you guys listened to the last episode, I talked about how I was disillusioned from the paranormal. And I said the one thing that could come up that will still be interesting to me because everything else just disappoints me is UFOs and alien stuff. Um, this is a completely undeniable scientific story. That's why I'm bringing it up right now. Okay. Let's hear it. Um, I, I always check out mysterious universe. They have a great podcast, great website for blogs and, and, and posts. Uh, Brett Tingley wrote this article about, uh, extraterrestrial organic matter found in remote South African mountains. So this is completely scientific. No weird uh, conjecture here. This is just very fascinating. Um, in the Mac Ho, Makhonwa Mountains in South Africa. Sorry if I mispronounced it. Uh, they found no, you got it. They found organic molecules discovered deep in the earth inside volcanic sediment from over 3.3 billion years ago. This is the first of its kind, and the origin of this molecules are from outer space. They cannot be from Earth. And they have ways of testing that as far as like um, the way the elements are formed. They can tell which, when it's from Earth or when it's from outside of our solar system. Um, so these are the first ones found from that early, uh, from 3.3 billion years ago. Uh, it's like carbon molecules, the basis of of what we form life with. And so this further proves, um, not proves, but uh, shows that panspermia is a very real theory, which basically is saying that people say, how did Earth come about or how did uh, life come about on Earth? And we think it might be panspermia where it came from comets, meteorites coming to Earth and putting the building blocks of life on Earth and then cosmic radiation kind of sparking it into what we are today, uh, which is fascinating. Um, so 
the quote from the person says, uh, this is the very first time that we have found actual evidence for extraterrestrial carbon in terrestrial rocks. The very first time, says astrobiologist Francis Westall from the uh, Center for Molecular Biophysics in France. The organic matter from the carbon-rich meteorites must have been raining down at quite a high rate. Uh, and writes Tingley from the article, according to the study, the extraterrestrial compounds likely fell to Earth as part of a micrometeorite swarm, which exploded in the atmosphere and mixed with volatile volcanic ash. If confirmed, this discovery may prove to be some of the first evidence we have, so-called soft panspermia or molecular molecular panspermia, theories which argue that rather than full-on life forms landing on Earth aboard comets, perhaps merely the chemical building blocks landed here and eventually began the reactions that led to abiogenesis. So this is a big discovery. It's 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 pretty fascinating in that we, um, although we don't know where life first started, we just know that the building box blocks for life could have come here from a meteorite. This is the biggest evidence we've had of that since. So that's pretty cool. All right, you got science this time, but I got my eyes on you. <laughs> this was that's why I'm, I'm being more discriminatory now. I'm like, this is really scientific and really interesting and fascinating, uh, not some like weird alien UFO thing. But it, it's it's really cool, and that we uh, it explains how life might have come on Earth, not Adam and Eve, none of that shit. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, that's my nerdy news. So what, what you got for us, Steve? <laughs> so my cheeky title for my cheeky story is "Take Me to Dinner First. <laughs> uh, Tel Aviv University has been studying the feeding behaviors of Egyptian fruit bats. Egyptian and fruit bats. A, okay. Yeah, that these bats have some some bats that go out and do foraging for fruit, and then they come back, and they're these bats they call scroungers who go and they basically beg fruit off of these other bats. Huh. And so they were looking at why this relationship was happening because it's very rare, and they found that the ones going out to gather the fruit were were males. And the ones doing the scrounging were females. And this started weeks before mating took place. This would begin to happen where females would go and beg food off a bunch and then would eventually start mooching pretty much exclusively off one. Uh, and then they, they basically exchanged fruit for sex. Oh, it's so a transaction. Looking, yeah. They started looking at, um, at the next batch of offspring and doing paternity tests on them with this group of bats and found that most of the time when a female went and got fruit from a male over and over and over again, that she ended up having his pup. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so take me to dinner first. Take <laughs> I want, me to dinner I want your first. fruit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was funny at first that, that she goes around and mooches off a bunch early on. I like that aspect. Of and it. then finds the one who has the most success and like wants his babies. Or the one who's willing to tolerate giving up his food. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, very interesting. Yeah. The, I, love, I love the weird stories you bring of our animals and our, our current earth. Oh, yeah. They're, they're just fascinating. Uh, and now some trash to rot your mind. Um, I started <laughs> looking at, there's some movie I saw recently that was, had a sequel and I went, what the hell? When the hell did that get a sequel? And I thought to myself, there's gotta be more movies like this. So sure enough, I went out and found a bunch of movies that you didn't know have sequels. Movie sequels you didn't know existed. That's right. Uh so you know that your favorite movie where the dog dies at the end? Well it got a sequel. No, not you, old yeller. It's Marley and Me the Puppy Years. And that's the one with that had Owen Wilson, right? It did. The first <laughs> one. It made a sequel. Oh boy. 
need more mean in your life? Well, then check out Mean Girls 2. Really? Yes. That had a sequel? <laughs> Do you love Patrick Swayze? Then you're going to hate Roadhouse 2. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Carrie 2, The Rage. Oh, I did know Sissy, that existed. Sissy Spacek was offered a cameo, at, even though she died in the original film. <laughs> and her turning it down is the only good decision in the entire movie. <laughs> uh, Splash 2 happened. Wow. Not with uh, Daryl Hannah, I take it. No, and not with Tom Hanks. <laughs> Uh, then you want, if you want to see a sequel where not a single original actor signed on, then you can check out I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> well, they had a few sequels for that one, didn't they? Yeah, they had multiple sequels for that one, but this one, not nobody, not a thing. It's completely detached. I will always know. I will always. <laughs> it's very important. Uh, what's that? You want more third rock from the sun star French Stewart? Well, Hollywood heard you. And here's home alone Four. Oh God. Was he the child? No, he was like one of the burglars. I think. Oh, <laughs> oh uh, French Stewart. He's been gone for a long time. And then Adam's family reunion lurches back. He's the only one. The only one that came back was Lurch. But that's, um, uh, what's his face? That's, um, perfect. So it w- was Raul Julia in the original? No, Lurch is, uh, uh, what? Doc from Back to the Future. What? No, yeah. false. You're thinking of Lester. Oh, Uncle, Uncle oh, Lester. you're right. Lester. I'm thinking of Lester. You're right. Absolutely. Uncle Fester. Fester. Nailed it. Right, Fester, not Lurch. Lurch was nobody. <laughs> yeah, Lurch was the butler, the tall. Uh, so he's back. Uh, so Raul Julia was in the original. And once again, we're sorry, Mr. Raul Julia, about My Street apologies. Fighter. My apologies. Uh, but surprisingly good recasting with Tim Curry. Oh, well, I can, I'm down with that. See? Uh, yeah, I was kind of down with that, too. That flick could be all right. As uh, long as yeah, it's not post-stroke all- like Tim Curry, then it's fine. Yeah, it's pre, way pre. Gotcha. Uh, so that's some some movie sequels that you didn't know happened. But they did, unfortunately. <laughs> they did. So you should go check them out and then weep. So in our in our film that we're eventually going to cover here, it, there's a lot of scenes in prison. So Steve has a segment here with some prison slang, I believe. That's right. So I can't remember. At some point in the past, we also talked about prisons. And I did a trivia game with Jarman where I told him a slang word or term, and he had to take a guess at what it meant. Oh, boy. If he gets right, he uh, gets big points. If he gets it wrong, he gets nothing. (laughs) All right. Are you ready? This is going to be terrible, but let's go. So there are seven terms. All right. Bum beef. Oh. Uh, As in, hey, man, that's some bum beef. Like uh, you're trying not to be my, uh, my, my, my bum lover. So I'm going to say, hey, man, that's some bum beef. You got to be my bum lover. What the hell? <laughs> All right. No, that wasn't even remotely close. Okay, good. It's a false charge. Oh. And he's got bum beef. <laughs> gotcha. All right. The monster. The monster. Uh, like the one guy who everyone tries to be their, like, their, uh, their, their muscle. And that, that's actually a pretty good guess. No, it's HIV. 
Oh, Jesus. That's not close at all. What are you talking about? No, it's a good guess. I'd say it was close. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, better guess, but not close. Uh, all day. Then, man, I'm here all day. Um, I'm always watching. No, it means you have a life sentence. Oh. I'm here all day. I'm feeling all this shit. Uh, if someone's asking you about your appeals, what are they asking you about? Uh, like your appeal to your sentence. No, I like where your head went. Uh, it's your orange jumpsuit is your appeal. That's that's boring. <laughs> what? It should right. have been smarter um, and move with appeals. <laughs> brake fluid. Um, brake fluid. Uh, that's finding some booze. No, it's psychiatric medication. Where do you find this stuff? Dude, the internet. What do you mean where do I find this stuff? <laughs> uh, all right. A cell warrior. Cell warrior. Uh, a guy who's good at getting the goods, like cigarettes and stuff and, and goods for your cell. Like Red from Shawshank Redemption? Sure. No. Uh, it's a, a guy who's real <laughs> tough and puts on a big, tough facade when the doors are closed. But once he's out in public, he's like a little. I see. All right. Petrified and plays it down. <laughs> All right. So here's the last one. Jack rabbit parole. Jack rabbit parole. And hey, I'm planning on getting that Jack rabbit parole. Um, that jackass, I'm going to make it so he can't get parole. Okay. So stopping someone else from getting parole. Yeah. No, it's when you just escape prison. <laughs> get that jackrabbit parole. I failed all of those. Yeah, you did not get a single one even. <laughs> I'm after. proud of that because I'm never, never going to prison. So we're good. That's right. <laughs> so zero out of a million. Uh, and then I was going to do this one. This one's just too tough. You'd never get it. But uh, so there's this thing called picking up roadkill where prison roadside work crews collect half and near finished cigarette butts while they're picking up trash and doing work on the side of the road. Uh, and they scavenge them and smuggle them back in and they take whatever tobacco's left out and they re-roll new, new smokes. Oh, wow. That's terrible. And they call it picking up roadkill. <laughs> jail. jail is terrible, folks. Don't do jail. All right, and now we're going to talk about our final Muppet movie in this review season, Muppets Most Wanted. We're doing a sequel, that's what we do in Hollywood, and everybody knows that the sequel's never quite as good. A sequel, yeah. another feature <laughs> Wait till it gets the part. I love it. Places, please, light the lights, roll camera, action! I thought it was the end, but Hold on, here we go. Friends, this is when we get to do it all again. That part. I love the do it all again part. That was just so fun. <laughs> uh, so yeah, sequel to the Muppets 2011. Uh, and I think a very strong entry into the Muppet canon. Yeah, there's definitely, I'll talk about later the parts I, I didn't like so much, but absolutely a strong, a strong entry. Absolutely. Oh, there's plenty of things about this. I also do not like, right. So don't worry about that. <laughs> I think overall, the thing we can say about this film is that 
even though the Muppets, the the first like kind of reboot movie, uh, had a lot of things that people who are traditionalists didn't like, this movie addressed a lot of those things, which is weird, but it did. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. I'll bring him up later, but like, yeah, yeah, just I think we first will go through like the plot of it, but like we'll go through as we go through and say what things we found. All right, it starts literally at the exact end moment of the last film. With They're the, literally finishing the movie. Yeah. All the extras leave. They turn around. There's more cameras there. And that's when they realize in very Muppet breaking the fourth wall fashion that, oh, no, they're doing a sequel. And that's the thing, too, is that I remember you even saying when we were reviewing the last film that it was like the first one that didn't say it was making a movie. Didn't you say something like that? Maybe. Because this one um, like officially deals with the fact that that was a movie within a movie. And the huh. last one, the last one, it didn't act like they were making a movie as the Muppets. And so this one officially says like, oh, we just finished making a movie. That was totally a movie that we were making as the Muppets. Yeah. And true. so like it was like it addressed that immediately, which fans probably were a little upset with because like the Muppets are always doing a production of something. You know what I mean? That's true. So it was interesting. I like that. Well, it's just the movie about how they got back together. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> uh, but there, instead of it being real, like this was really happening, they were making a movie of that happening, which was very meta. Right. It was very meta and weird. <laughs> and then we're within a dream within a dream. Exactly. Inception. Triggered. But then the sequel number pops up that we just heard for our intro there. And the sequel number I thought was fantastic. I loved it. It was so fun. I thought it was great, too. And so here's this one of my overarching points comes up immediately after this is why did they give this movie such a dumb name? <laughs> Muppets Most this Wanted. Sound, this, like, for a movie that I think overall has some good integrity, this is just clearly, like, somebody at Disney corporate was like, no, 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 that's, uh, Muppets again isn't isn't catchy enough. Right, because even in the song, they talk about Muppets again. This is going to be the name of the it's movie. The Muppets again. And that was the working title up through all of production. And for some reason, they changed it to Muppets Most Wanted. Yeah, I, I don't um, know. I mean, it could have been either. It wouldn't matter. You know, like, who cares? I care. I wouldn't. It should have been Muppets again. No, I agree. I'm saying like, who ca- Why do they change it? They shouldn't have because it wouldn't have know. mattered. Some executive thought they had a good idea. Yeah. Um. So they start out uh, and they realize they're making a sequel. And then the question becomes now that the Muppets are back together, which we just saw in the last film, what are they going to go do? And luckily, there's someone there to lend them guidance, a guy named Nicholas Bad Guy. <laughs> Who says, by Ricky let's Gervais. do a world tour. It sounds like a great idea. World tour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they said, yeah, the Muppets are going to go on a world tour. So they start out in Berlin. And, and I just say that this- I, most people hate Ricky Gervais, but I, I actually I've always really enjoyed Ricky Gervais. I, I like him. Uh, and then you cut to the, the Russian gulag where right. there's a prison escape of a mysterious frog and it's a character called Constantine who's basically just evil Kermit Kermit with a mole (laughs) Kermit with a mole yeah (laughs) so he escapes he's in cahoots with Ricky Gervais's character and he is going to meet them in Berlin right so they get to Berlin uh Kermit has them booked into like these little small venues so they can work the show Ricky Gervais books them into like the National Theater which they aren't ready for. <laughs> right. Um, and encourages Kermit to go out on a walk. 
Kermit goes out on the walk. The mysterious frog appears, slaps a mole on Kermit, and the super disappears, <laughs> and frames Kermit as the the terrible villainous frog Constantine. So Kermit is taken to a gulag in Russia and Siberia. A Russian gulag, uh, and Constantine goes and joins the Muppets. And Constantine pretending to be Kermit is maybe one of the funniest things to happen in either of the, the most recent. Months. My notes was Constantine as Kermit is pretty hilarious. That's why I wrote my notes. So good. <laughs> Especially that initial Kermit scene where he's like, to listen to everything that I say, I am Kermit. Yes. <laughs> and then when he's talking to Ricky Gervais, I wrote down in quotations, Bulgari. Wait, Bulgari. <laughs> it's a hard word to say actually by yourself. Bulgari. <laughs> but he's trying to say it in a Russian Bulgari. accent. Bulgari. <laughs> We're going to be burglars. Bulgari. Uh, and throughout this, you get a couple really good musical numbers. And I wrote around uh, this time all the fantastic cameos too. Uh, let me yes, just list off real quick. The guy from Modern Family is a pretty big role. I can't remember his name as the actor. Um, oh, he is he is the second best part of this movie. Yeah, he plays a French detective, kind of like Inspector Clouseau, which is really great, with, with uh, uh, Eagle. Paired up with Sam the Eagle Sam for the like Eagle. a plot. This movie has three plots going on, and they all <laughs> are pretty good. But we have Tony Bennett, Lady Gaga, Christopher Walt, Christoph Waltz, James McAvoy, Jermaine Clement, Ray Liotta, Jenny Trejo, Tina Fey, Josh Groban in the, in the solitary confinement cell, Salma Hayek, Puff Daddy, Saoirse Ronan, Celine Dion, Chloe Grace Moretz, Tom Hiddleston, Usher, Stanley Tucci, Zach Galifianakis, and Frank Langella, amongst a few more, too, that you might recognize. It's ridiculous. There's so many in this movie. That is very Muppety, and it's something I'm so glad they bought, brought back. Oh, yeah. But still, my favorite, um, my favorite cameo of all time in Muppet movies was... Um, uh, what's his name? The detective. Uh, my God, detective. He had the old detective TV show. He's and the hey, hey, here I am. I'm talking to you now. My eyes crazy over here. What does that guy say? Come on, <laughs> come on. He was with Kermit in that one scene talking to him <laughs> from the Great Muppet Caper. Yes. What is his name? <laughs> No, not Kojak. Actually, what the hell is actually I think I found the answer to your the question. Grand, the grandfather from Princess yes. Bride. What the fuck is his name? What is his name? I'm looking it up. He was my Peter favorite cameo Walker. of Muppets Walker. ever. Walker? Was it? I don't know. I'm, I know I'm close. Look I'm it up. This is important. <laughs> this is what this show is about yes because that scene with him and kermit was my favorite of all the muppets so far and i've watched all the movies not now Manny Patinkin. not manny Patinkin. <laughs> peter falk i was pretty close but peter what, falk. what is his character that he played columbo columbo pure, pure god peter falk columbo he was the best cameo of any of the muppet movies in my all time <laughs> That's because he had more than a cameo. It was like a three-minute thing. Yeah, and it was a great scene with him, like inspiring Kermit. It was it was fantastic. So yeah, jerk Bernie down the street. Yeah, it's a great one. <laughs> hey, actually, hey, I think okay. But anyway, so sorry that was I cut you off. We're talking about Bulgari. <laughs> Bulgari, <laughs> I am Kermit. Um, <laughs> and so then they go and they play the the Berlin national theater. And this is when you realize that Constantine and bad guy are working together to rob locations that are next to the theaters that the Muppets are performing at. 
which are typically museums because they're doing a weird heist that will lead them to the crown jewels of London. So they're right, trying to get e right and a painting with a, a locket. Map. It's like a really poor man's national treasure. Right. <laughs> um, so then they get these rave reviews in Berlin and they head on to Spain. Does it sound right? Madrid? I think so. Yeah. Head off to Madrid, cut back to Kermit at the Gulag, explaining that he is not Constantine. Uh, great parts by Danny Trejo, Ray Liotta, and Jermaine Clement. Jermaine Clement, I love so much. Just so good. Uh, Danny Trejo has one of the a laugh out line moment. It only works because he is who he is. Uh, <laughs> later on, when she's saying good night to all the different. Oh, I wrote that down too. <laughs> to all the different prisoners. Good night, prison king. Good night. Good night. Uh, whatever really the other character. Good night. Good night, Danny Trejo. <laughs> he's good like, night. he's playing himself. Just being Danny Trejo. <laughs> Which is fantastic. Um, I laughed out loud that line too. I was like, oh my God, he's just, he's just Danny Trejo. <laughs> tries some cheap ploys to escape prison. Tina Faith warts him. He eventually uh, decides that he is going to participate in the prison talent show. She basically forces him to. Tina Faith's character. Uh, and so that's what Kermit's working on for most of the rest of the film. Right. Cut back. They're in Madrid. Selma Hayek is there doing, I don't know, the indoor running of the bulls because Constantine has let the show just go wild. Because they don't care how bad it is because Constantine and bad guy, uh, played Ricky Gervais, are paying off the crowds to come in and give standing ovations. Uh, and the newspapers and to news- write reviews. And- right. Um, so, meanwhile, Sam the Eagle and uh, this French detective, played by the guy from Modern Family, I can't remember, uh, <laughs> It's just so enjoyable. It's so incredibly enjoyable. When Sam Sam Eagle is talking about, don't you have satellites or blinking or you know or trackers or sonar? And he goes, no. Here at the depot, we just use a map with little blinking lights. <laughs> oh look, <laughs> blinking light! I found one. <laughs> he's drinking tea and he goes, the light she is blinking. We must go. <laughs> <laughs> and he's actually a pretty good singer. There are a couple points in the song they sang. Uh, he was uh, pretty good. Their, their musical number where they're interrogating the Muppets is my favorite in the entire movie. It, it was very well done. I like that one a lot. Um, so meanwhile, some of the Muppets are starting to get wise to Constantine. They keep performing. They keep stealing things. Eventually, Walter, Animal, and Fozzie confront Constantine, and they run off, and they go and save Kermit. And at one point, uh, Constantine pisses off Miss Piggy, uh, and she's like, why is Kermit being so mean? And uh, Jerky Gervais's character was like, you have to keep appearances up. You have to appease Miss Piggy. So he goes and sings her a song. And that I thought was the worst song in the whole movie. It was. I, I just didn't like it. It wasn't, it was, it wasn't catchy. Oh, it, did, it wasn't sung very well. Like it was just. I'll make your dreams come true. Yeah. Just like I didn't, I didn't like his voice. I thought the song wasn't catchy or good. Like, but otherwise I love the movie. It's just that that song I thought yeah. was very weak. I read something that said that originally that was supposed to be like an Elvis copycat song. Right. And then they kind of like changed it up or something. Cause it just wasn't Maybe a disco tune. Yeah. It wasn't good. Um, so they go, it's the night of the talent show at the gulag. They rescue Kermit. They do a musical number working in the coal mine and dig their way out <laughs> and escape. Working in the coal mine. Woo, in the coal Meanwhile, mine. Constantine asks Piggy to marry him at the Tower of London, the final location that he needs to get to. The Crown Jewels. 
they head to London to stop the wedding. Um, and by the way, I mean to cut in here is that uh, Kate and I were at the Tower of London for the Crown Jewels, and the line mm-hmm. was so long that we just said, "No, we'll just walk around. We don't want to go to see the Crown Jewels." So we were there next to them, but we did not see the Crown Jewels. Yeah, the hell with that. Yeah, it was too long. It was too long. Sorry. Uh, so Kermit manages to stop the wedding, proving that he is the real Kermit because he does not necessarily want to marry Piggy. Right. It's kind of sad and funny. <laughs> Constantine runs off with Piggy. Ricky Gervais reveals that he is the lemur and has a funny costume on. Uh, they try to escape. You get to see Muppet Ladder. <laughs> right, all the Which Muppets. Like a fun, a fun thing, especially with Muppet Man in the last step in the last movie, uh, where they hold the helicopter and they're able to defeat Constantine. Uh, and in the end, they all go and perform at the Gulag. And a funny line that also goes along my original theme that they're kind of recuperating from the last movie uh, is that Rizzo says yeah. uh, a line that I loved, where he's like. Uh, yeah, that last movie was maybe at the expense of other long-standing Muppets. Come on, Robin, and Robin the <laughs> comes by. Yeah, because Rizzo is. I've I've said other podcasts. My favorite Muppets. Now that I've watched all the movies, he's one of my favorites, and he had the, like very little lines in the last movie. Well, uh, I'll be interested if we ever see Rizzo again. Why is that? That's Steve Whitmire. Like, oh, he's fired. Steve Whitmire's major characters. Yeah, he's fired. Uh, I hope they can find somebody who can do one of and why was he fired? Do we ever know why he was fired? Uh it was a from what I understand and what Brian Henson came out and said and what Steve said is that it was like a creative control kind of issue. Huh. Where he thought that he was synonymous with Kermit and so he had control over the brand and what they were gonna do. Oh wow. Okay. They said no. Well now the guy who played Constantine's taking over for Kermit. So Yeah, Matt Vogel. Yeah. So I hope something else to Rizzo because he's been my favorite character going forward. And then he was like upset. That, that line was great, though, because like the last movie, he got short shrift. And then uh, Robin, we haven't seen barely in any of the movies. I think he was just. Yeah, doing, man. Not yeah. a long time. Yeah. And then the, the babies, I had to mention, they use these weird Muppet babies things for the crime scene. And they were creepy as hell. I don't know where they came from. Were they in something else before? Uh, the Muppet, the, 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 the creepy little like fat faced, like, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Like, babies. are they from something they've around? Else? They've been around for a long time. Cause they were weird. They were used on the Muppet show. They've been in the movies. Okay. Yeah. I just don't remember seeing them before. And then the ending, uh, they do the talent show or not the talent show. They do like a big show at the gulag. And, mm-hmm. It ended very anticlimactically. I, I don't know. I, I wasn't a fan of the end. The whole I, movie. Feel, I feel like them just taking a song from one of the other movies. Together just, again, again. Yeah. That it song. was just, you know, they had, you know, they built me a nice Sunday to eat and then they took it and they topped it off with a Tootsie Roll. Yeah. It's not that there's anything wrong with a Tootsie Roll. It's just not what goes on top of like a freshly made Sunday. It did not work for me. That ending just was very like the whole movie was pretty darn good. And then like that ending was just like, eh, okay. All right. I don't Remind know. It was a chance for them to get a curtain call for all the cameos, which was cute and nice. They even had Tony Bennett up there on the wall, the ice wall. He's like 104. Or something. <laughs> yeah. It's impressive. And Lady Gaga and all that shit that was yeah in the movie. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I feel like it was like an almost smash hit but it was like it just went down to like oh a good entry into the series right um i think it had some great musical numbers 
It did. Give you everything you want. Wasn't make your dream come, whatever the hell it is. It wasn't that good, but I love the interrogation. I love the opening song. And like my earlier complaints from some of the other films, the earlier films were like the songs lasted too long. That didn't happen this time. They were like short to the point. The only bad song was the the Constantine one. I thought that one's kind of sucked, but otherwise all the songs were really fun and catchy and, and entertaining. Um, But yeah, so that's, that's the last of the Muppet movies for right now. For now. Yeah. I I hope not forever, but at least for a while. And even after we do Star Trek beyond, like they're hopefully there's more Muppet movies and hopefully there's more Star Trek movies. There's supposedly a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie out there. Uh, And hopefully Disney will reuse this property again if they're smart um so we'll be like you know we'll be reviewing those films when they come out it might be like five years from now yeah maybe but we'll be around five years from now so we're gonna get happy (laughs) uh so that that closes out our muppet reviews that's it german you did it you watched all the muppet movies and this was the only one i had not seen anything of before and i enjoyed it i really enjoyed it good uh, so now to, to finish up and wrap up the prison theme, I've got some of the greatest escapes uh, in, in U.S. and world history. So real escapes. Yeah. So John Dillinger uh, cut a trail of may- mayhem through the Midwest, robbing banks and police stations, killed 10 people along the way. They finally captured him in Tucson and put him in at the time what was deemed an inescapable jail. Mm. Well, him and another guy carved a fake gun out of scrap wood. They dyed it black with shoe polish and they tricked a guard and forced their way out <laughs> to make them think it was a real gun. Yeah. And then to, to add insult to injury, they stole the sheriff's brand new Ford V8. <laughs> to escape. That's funny. That's like uh, 1930s, Frank, maybe. Uh, Frank Abagnale, who was the subject of the movie. Catch me if you can. Ah, yeah. Uh, once broke out of a prison due to a clerical error and some current events. Hmm. So the U.S. Marshal that brought him and dropped him off at prison after he had been caught for lost his submission papers and said they were going to send new ones. Before the new ones could arrive, he convinced a few guards that he was a federal investigator because at the time, U.S. prisons were under heavy scrutiny for civil rights violations and were unco- under congrega- uh, congressional investigation. So he built up this story so much and he convinced the guards that he needed to speak with a contact on the outside. They let him walk out of the prison gates. He hopped into a car and just disappeared. That guy must have been a genius. They caught him, I think, four months later or something like that. Uh, A guy named a Korean guy named Choi Gap Boy, uh, who is a yoga guru. Uh, was able to escape prison by contorting his body through the little food slot they have in the door. What? And escaped. How? He's been tiny. Uh, and then a guy named Alfred Wetzler, and he is credited with um, one of the most si- si- historically significant escapes ever. He escaped Auschwitz. Oh, wow. Uh, him and another guy hid in a wood pile for four days covered in gasoline and tobacco Whew. in order to trick the, the dogs and oh, not wow. smell it. Uh, when they got out, they put on stolen clothes. And then trekked over 80 miles to Slovakia. Uh, the reason this was so significant is 80 because, miles? Yeah. Uh, uh, Wetzler brought with him reports on exactly how the camp worked. He had ground plans uh, the, and details about the gas chamber uh, layout, as well as a label from a Zyklon B bottle, which was the gas that they were using. Wow. And 
his report was viewed as the first credible report about the death camps that the allies received. That's incredible. And the information he had on him additionally led to a railway depot that the Nazis were using to transport Jews to be bombed, killing a bunch of Nazi leadership and uh, saving and blocking 120,000 Hungarian Jews from being taken. And what was his name? Uh, his name was Alfred Wetzler. That name should be more famous. My God, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So, so that's that's considered the most significant in, in world history. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Good well, one, I guess, Steve. Uh, that was that, good. That closes us out and takes us on to uh, some trailer reviews. Let's do it. Here at A Play on Nerds, we have spent years refining our exclusive trailer rating system. At the low, low end of the scale, we have Burn It, where we think you should find every copy you can get your hands on and throw it into a barrel fire. To burn it, Fahrenheit 451 style. And second from the bottom, we have We'll See. Maybe the trailer was too short. Maybe it was cut oddly. Or maybe we don't know what the hell we just watched. Eh, we'll see. Up next, we have Give It a Buck. Whether you hit a red box, a dollar movie theater in the bad part of town, or a cheap online rental, give this movie a buck and enjoy it without breaking the bank. And at the top of our rating system, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. The wallets have been charmed out of our pockets, and we are ready to make our hard-earned cash disappear. And that's our patent-pending trailer rating system for A Play on Nerds. All right, we have some good ones for you this week. Uh, we have first off Terminator Dark Fate, which apparently is ignoring every film after Terminator 2 is what I. Yeah, it's a that correct? sequel to Terminator 2. That's right. what James Cameron has pretty much said. So three and the what's the other one after that? It was uh, three and Salvation. Salvation and then Genesis are just fucked. And They're just gone. Genesis. All right. Yeah. So here is that trailer cut down for just the the, uh, the dialogue because there's a lot of sound. Not much. Here's just the dialogue. Here we go. Two days ago, I had this nice, simple life. And now it's a nightmare. Who are you? My name is Sarah Connor never seen one like you before almost human i am human why do you care what happens to her because i was her how do we win we win by keeping you alive So from that audio, you probably can't tell what the fuck is going on. And neither can we, but um, from the video, you also can't tell what the hell's going on or what the plot's going to be. Or uh, we're just, I'm just glad Sarah Connor's involved to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it looks like John Connor has been saved or John Connor died maybe eventually. Cause he's not in this trailer at all. Yeah. Right. Somehow the other Terminator came back again. Maybe they, they've got a lot to explain to do when it comes to Arnold. Explaining to do. And now this is another person that the machines have designated as integral. A young Latino young woman, I believe. I think so. Right. 
Uh, it's this thing. Sarah Connor says, like, I was her. So she is carrying the next savior of humanity. And they do show it's funny because uh, Schwarzenegger is not much of this trailer at all. He's in one shot. Uh, he's a little bit more of the previous trailer they had out. Um, but this one, they just show him answering the door and he's just old Arnold, not hiding it. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't know what Terminator he would have been because in Terminator 2, he dies. He goes into lava. All right. He gets fully melted down Terminator 2. So it, we have no idea. I, but I, I like the trailer. It looks like it's well made and, and not as cheesy as Genesis, perhaps. Yeah, true. Um, it looks like this Mar- one gets, for me, this one gets, eh, we'll see. I did the same thing. We'll see. Cause, uh, the, the director was the same guy who did, um, uh, Deadpool. Okay. So could be something interesting. Uh, but they've been fledgling with this, this, uh, franchise for a while. So who knows what the hell's going on, but yeah, I'll probably see it in theaters, but yeah, I, I agree that we'll see. I need to see another trailer or some reviews and maybe this then- is south real quick. What was that? So that could go south real quick. Yeah, it could. It could. It could for sure. So what is our second one, though? You're excited about this, Steve. The next one. Holy crap. Holy <laughs> crap. Uh, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. And I think I talked about seeing the first Dark Crystal. Didn't we review like a whole episode about Dark Crystal? We did. That was a uh, you watched Dark Crystal and I watched Zero Charisma, maybe. Oh, it was our favorite movie reviews. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We still have to do those eventually. We haven't finished that. <laughs> yeah, we haven't done that in a long time. <laughs> uh, but I love Dark Crystal. Right. It, was, it was a lot of fun. It was great. But the uh, Netflix series uh, prequel to the movie, uh, and Anna, my wife, will attest, I was giddy excited watching this. And, and if, am I wrong, I but were they planning to do a movie originally and now it's become a Netflix oh, thing? I don't know if this is exactly based off that or not, but yes, okay. the movie was in talks and discussions for 15 years. And it was going to yeah. be a prequel. Yes, I believe so. So now this is the preview. There's not much folks. Sorry. It's just, there's a lot of, please watch the trailer. It's a lot of beautiful visuals, but this is just the, the dialogue oh that God. was in the trailer. I cut it down so we can so hear. much great stuff you get to see. Oh yeah. All the different characters and creatures, a situation called the darkening, which is so exciting. And the Skeksis, when they were sort of in the height of their power. We'll talk about it in a second. Here we go. Here's what we can hear dialogue wise. Oh, I thought you were saying the watch. All thrives and risks. The darkening corrupts everything it touches. What is the darkening? Behold. I see many endings laid before us. Some good, most bad. What have the Skeksis done? Tell no one. Mm. Okay, the best part is the mmm at the yeah, end. Really. <laughs> um, I I am so excited. This is the the Skeksis. Uh, after the second conjunction, uh, when they split, you know, the race into, uh, they're still in a position of power and they hold the power over the crystal. The Gelfling civilization is at its, at its height. Right. And it's clear that the Skeksis realize that they can drain the vital essence like we see in the movie out of the Gelfling. And this is the war that ensues surrounding that. So it's like a hundred years or something before what we saw in the other film. 
Um, longer probably. Ah, okay. I need, I need to watch Dark Crystal again before I watch this, of course. Well, the the Greek conjunction comes every thousand years, I think. Oh, okay. Um, so the split happened after. So this is in theory a couple hundred years, maybe after the the last Great Conjunctions, so maybe eight hundred years. Wow. What a, what a, like a big world that Henson made. Um, like beyond. Uh, <laughs> I, I wish I could give the credit to Henson. Uh, most of the the world building stuff has been Brian Frode, who was the um, who was the designer for a lot of it, and has since under with the go ahead from the Henson company, um, continued to produce lore. Like for novels and that kind of thing? Um, yeah, sort of. And like compendium kind of stuff. Nice. So a lot of this you would never get from the movie, but I'm so excited for them to get into it. So excited. And the cool thing is it's like it's, it's all practical, still like the old film, a lot of puppets. Um, yeah, but they're adding in digital where it's appropriate. and Exactly. I, like I, like, I like subtle, subtle CGI is what I wrote my notes, like subtle CGI, not like you know, in your face. put a Gartham puppet up on the ceiling. But I was still excited to see one skitter across the ceiling. Right. You know, it's like watching Dark Crystal with a bigger budget in the modern times and without uh, them overdoing it with CGI, which is nice. Holy crap. I am so giddy. Like, you just stupid, <laughs> just stupid, stupid excited. And uh, so what do you give it? Should I take my money? Because you already have Netflix. Netflix. Already has my money. <laughs> I will buy a second account so I can watch it on two screens simultaneously when it comes. Oh, out. wow. That's a big endorsement, folks. That's right. And we're not going to watch it for our next episode. It'll be too long. But I have to give an honorable mention to Rambo. Just got the Rambo Last Blood was a trailer that came out. Uh, I'm not going to play it, but you can guess what it looks like and what it sounds like. <laughs> Uh, why you got you got become war? <laughs> so he comes out of retirement and hits up some Mexican cartels because of reasons. So, um, but <laughs> it's a trailer you should watch because it's funny and and it looks like a great like eighty style action flick with Rambo kicking ass one last time as a geriatric guy. Uh, so check out that trailer too, <laughs> Rambo Last Blood. It will be fun. I, I will see it. Maybe not in theaters, but I will watch that movie. <laughs> and speaking of recommendations, that takes us into some radical recommends. It sure as hell does. I recommend. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right. So what you got for us this week, Steve? So this week in my continuing dive of uh, YouTube, I found these guys uh, called the Dungeon Dudes. Sounds good. They're just these two avid Dungeon Dragons players who pick specific spells or specific lists. You know, the best cantrips, the best first level spells, best ways to use Find Familiar, best ways to use Prestigitation. All Uh these sort of microcosms within D&D. And they just sit and kind of riff about them and they clarify rules and and get into some of the more creative things that they as players or that their players have done. So it's like really uh, hacking the game, trying to make it work the best for you, basically. It's not even that. For them, it's like a lot of, you know, how can you use prestidigitation? Oh, fun ways to use it and that kind of thing. You know, there is a little bit of that hacky kind of stuff. I'm not going to lie. But but a lot of it's like, well, here's how you can get the most out of Mage Hand. Right. A lot of people are like, well, you could use it for a distraction, or maybe you try to tie your enemy's shoes together on the battlefield <laughs> or undo their belt buckle or tap them on the shoulder. Right. You know, like 
they get into a lot of that kind of stuff. So I recommend them highly dungeon dudes. Uh, they, they've got these like short kind of, you know, 20, 25 minutes where they break down something. They also have some play sessions of a game, a campaign they're doing that I haven't checked out yet, but I think that's next on my list. Gotcha. Well, that's right up our alley. It is dungeon dudes. And they're, de- they're definitely playing 5.0 or whatever. Fifth edition. Uh, most of the discussions around 5e. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, that's what we're playing. That's <laughs> great. So dungeon dudes, folks, check it out. Uh, my, which, what do you have for us? Mine is not as as a uh, as indie as I would have liked. I looked through my um my subscribing list on podcasts, and uh, I just haven't been watching a lot of YouTube lately. I hope to get more into that again soon. But uh, I just fell into Brooklyn Nine Nine, uh, a show that people have been watching for years, but I just have not checked out until recently. And it's made by Michael Shore, who's a producer who I've always appreciate all the shows he's worked on. He did a little bit with the office, a lot with uh, parks and rec, but his baby was uh, the good place, which I freaking love the good place. Uh, but he does have recommended that before you, what you, you have recommended that. before. Yes. And so Brooklyn nine, nine, he's like a major executive producer on, and it is actually hilarious. Cause I've not always liked um, the guy from lonely Island. Uh, who's the host. Who's the Andy Samberg. Andy Samberg. I've always been a huge fan of Andy Samberg, but he is, he's, takes it down a notch in the show and he's actually playing it straight kind of. And uh, he's not the funniest part of the show. The captain and uh, Terry Crews in the show are amazing. Uh, and I've had so much more laughing out loud moments in the show that I've ever had with parks and rec in the office, um, which I love those shows, but I, I don't laugh out loud as much as I do with Brooklyn nine, nine. So I do highly recommend it. It's on Hulu, not Netflix, but uh, if you check out Hulu, you can find it. Um, and NBC, picked it up after Fox canceled it. Uh, so NBC had now has all the rights to it and is now making new seasons, uh, but it's now on all on Hulu and it's, it's actually really funny. So I highly recommend it. So Brooklyn nine, nine, that's my radical recommend. Oh, well that means it's not going to be on Hulu for long. Why is that? Oh, because they're bought by <laughs> Disney just bought controlling stake of Hulu and ABC is pulling us their content to my understanding. Uh, well, no, ABC their own streaming service well abc's content will go to uh, the disney plus thing probably but hulu has all networks on it so um, i might be thinking of nbc well nbc is not owned by disney abc is owned by disney okay good well hulu is now controlled by disney and most of their competitors are pulling the programming uh well until nbc has its own streaming network i don't think they'll pull things from hulu because hulu has every network on it it has as a cable channel on it, so you can get. I have I have my cable TV off of Hulu right now, so I pay. I'm just telling you what the internet said, man. Well, I'm just saying, like that. Yeah, Disney's gonna I'm pull all Disney's gonna pull like, all their Disney content off of Hulu, but the other people aren't gonna pull their stuff off of Hulu because it's the only place where they're streaming right now. So unless NBC makes their own streaming, I don't know. my Apple TV has an like an NBC app. It's pretty bad. <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> So it, it might be a while though. So for right now, you can find Brooklyn Nine Nine on Hulu and nowhere else. Uh, maybe the NBC app if it's it'll be terrible with tons of commercials. But if you have Hulu already with no commercials, I recommend Hulu. Uh, all right. Well, that wraps up our uh, episode one twenty one of a play on nerds. Absolutely. Uh, we and it also wraps up our review of Muppet films, at least for probably a few years, if I had to guess. And we have one more Star Trek film, Star Trek Beyond, to come up probably in about three weeks. We'll maybe cover yeah, that we're one. We're gonna rank all of them for you, and yeah. then we're done. We're done with it. 
until there's new ones. <laughs> that was our big series, man. Two years, I think, in the making. Yeah, two years and some change, I think. <laughs> uh, but until next time, we will keep coming back and being your nerdy co-hosts. If you guys keep coming back and being our nerdy audience. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. How?